This is a GRDC podcast. Usually finding one fungal disease in a crop is enough for most growers, but with 2020 holding true to form, soybean growers in northern Queensland have been hit with two. G'day, I'm Chris Brown. The first clue that something was up came when Queensland Department of Agriculture and Fisheries plant pathologist Lisa Kelly started getting phone calls and emails and even some samples sent through to her office in Toowoomba. Now clearly there was a problem. So Lisa, what was happening? What were growers seeing in their paddocks? It's pretty well started off. Most growers started seeing leaf symptoms, so leaf spots in a lot of their plants, and then they noticed that the leaves were defoliating from those plants. I started getting a lot of phone calls and had a few samples showing up. So there was a lot of confusion around whether it was a leaf disease, whether it was insect damage, or whether at one stage it was thought it could potentially be a root pathogen. So yeah, we decided that we really needed to go up and have a look and have a try and work out exactly what was going on. What did you see when you went up there? I went up with DAF entomologist Hugh Breyer and we had a look at about I think 10 different soybean crops while we were up in the Burdekin region and we did notice uh, one particular variety which was the A6785 variety did seem quite badly impacted. Uh, So we had a lot of lesions on the leaves, a lot of lesions on the stems and the pods as well. There were quite a lot of dead areas of just quite large areas of dead plants affected. So when I had a closer look at the plants, I could see that the roots themselves didn't look too badly impacted, which made me think that it probably wasn't a root pathogen. But we did notice that there was quite a lot of stem fly damage in the stems themselves. So you can see the little exit holes that the insect makes. And there was quite a lot of obvious fungal fruiting bodies, I guess, on the stems of a lot of the plants. Just in the paddock, it looked quite, it could have been a mixture of diseases, but it definitely looked suspicious enough to collect samples and bring them back to the lab for a closer look. Okay. And what did you find then? Pretty well consistently found that the target spot pathogen, which will produce leaf spots and it can produce spotting on the pods and the the stems as well. It was present in most crops that we saw. And then a lot of the areas that had particularly the dead plants, those had a lot of anthracnose pathogen through them. Um, So on the actual anthracnose plants, a lot of those you could see that you had a lot of the pediol cankering where the plant, the whole pediol and the uh, leaves just die back I guess and the leaves can defoliate Uh, so there was also a lot of lesions on the the stems and the pods which look more typical of anthracnose than anything else. Is it unusual to have two uh, pathogens in the one paddock? It's not always it's quite likely that the anthracnose pathogen in particular tends to take over when the plants are quite stressed So it could be that the target spot was there initially and then when the plants were weakened, they were just then infected by the second pathogen. So what was your observation in terms of the amount of damage of the paddocks that you saw up there? A lot of the crops were pretty, uh, they looked quite badly affected and they were pretty well losing their leaves and dying pretty quickly, like in a matter of two weeks, a lot of these plants. It tended to be in the one cultivar, which was 
pretty interesting, which we're not sure whether that means that the cultivar itself is a bit more susceptible to the diseases or perhaps it was the timing that they became infected, it was more susceptible. Uh, so that particular cultivar would have been quite significantly impacted, not just from the yield loss, but also the quality of the seed in that cultivar would have been quite badly impacted by the two pathogens. However, the other varieties that were growing in the same area didn't seem too badly infected at all. They had maybe, if any, low levels of target spot in those, but there'd be minimal damage to those cultivars. So it was the timing of a rain event, was it, that was causing the damage? Quite possibly. It's it's a bit hard to predict, well, I guess, guess what would have happened. All we can do is speculate, I suppose. But both of those pathogens, they really need the wet, humid, warm conditions, and particularly those wet conditions, so rainfall. And they did have quite a fair bit of rainfall in that vertican region earlier this year. So with that one variety that was impacted, the A6785, it was a bit more advanced than the other varieties that we visited. So it it could be that they just were infected at a more susceptible stage of growth. You mentioned the, the stem fly. Now, did it cause a lot of damage by itself? We don't think so. So in the past and in other crops, we have seen uh, the soybean stem fly cause quite a bit of damage as far as, you know, single plants can have multiple exit wounds caused by the insect itself. However, we don't always see the level of plant death and damage that we saw up in the burdicate. We think that the stem fly alone probably wouldn't cause those symptoms that we did see in the burdekin this season. It may have made those pathogens more severe, if anything, though. Now, there's really no control measures that farmers could have taken through the year to prevent this sort of damage. Uh, is that right? Yeah, so there's not any fungicides that are currently or were currently registered to spray the crops for those two pathogens. Just from talking to different agronomists and growers, I wouldn't be surprised if these two pathogens have probably been just hanging around at a low incidence in previous seasons and then just with the environment that they endured early this year, it just really uh, was ideal conditions, I guess, for those diseases to take off and infect plants. So they probably haven't seen those two diseases before. However, with a lot of diseases, it's pretty standard approach in how you try and manage those through such things as crop rotations and hygiene and just trying to, I guess, plant as clean seed as you can. Just those kind of practices will help even without having fungicides involved. Well, that does bring us to next year or the next time that paddock is used. What are some of the uh, the key messages you've got? Uh, yeah, so both of those pathogens, they will survive in the seed of affected crops. They'll also survive in the, the crop residues or stubble, and they will pretty well persist in that soil until that crop residue has broken down. So it's probably a good idea to avoid paddocks that have previously been affected by these two diseases or even avoiding paddocks that are planted directly nearby affected paddocks, ideally for at least two years to give time for that disease inoculum to break down. It's also a good idea to avoid sowing seed from those crops that have had that disease or those diseases. They can impact the germination of the following crop 
as well as causing further disease, I guess, in the next crop that you plant. Other things that you could potentially look at is how you manage those crop residues in your crop. So whether you consider things such as burying those crop residues or burning them. Crop rotation is pretty important. With all pathogens, we recommend not to plant kind of soybean on soybean on soybean because those pathogens levels will just build up in the soil. In this case, other non-hosts would be um, corn, grain sorghum or sugarcane, just to really break up that disease inoculum for building up between seasons. Similarly, trying to control your weed and volunteer soybean plants that might pop up between plantings that could host these diseases and just keep it ticking along. And then there's other agronomic practices that you might want to consider, trying to avoid reproducing the environment, I guess, that would bring on these diseases or make them more likely to occur. So that might be avoiding irrigation, particularly overhead irrigation and excess water. So we do know that these pathogens really like that wet, humid environment. So um, just trying to avoid having the crop too wet. You could also consider planting at a lower rate or on wider rows to encourage airflow through the crop to try and dry it out a bit more quick. And then more recently, there's been a uh, emergency permit released to control anthracnose in the coming soybean plantings. Veritas, which, yeah, growers will be able to use that if they see anthracnose in the coming season. Okay, that's some good advice. Thanks, Lisa, for joining me on this GRDC podcast. Lisa Kelly is a plant pathologist with the Queensland Department of Agriculture and Fisheries. Mm -hmm.